Going back to the first spiritual tune of our fall from grace, it was not a fall from grace. We, were, we fell from inside of God to land inside of God. But we chose these illusions of time, space, and matter, and we lost ourselves. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up. Today's question, God's will versus our own. Pretty heavy stuff here. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised uh, as a Catholic. I am not one today, but I was steeped in that kind of ideology. And I know the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, backwards, frontwards, sideways, every which way. And very explicitly in the Lord's Prayer, as is reflective of most Western religions, there's this preamble of thy will, thy desire, your desire, thy will be done. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. Your way be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Okay. Well, God's God and we ought to you know, be pretty grateful that we're here. I hope we all are. Um, so, you know, why wouldn't it be that way rather than run amok and be selfish? But then we also grow up hearing in every single story and inspiration given to a child and even in our adult movies, follow your heart, follow your passion. This tells you what you can do and be with your life. It's a window of possibilities into a realm that already exists. That's kind of selfish. That's not following God's will unless there's a, a double entendre here. And then, as I have read in some of the books that have really deeply, profoundly shaped my own thinking again and again, and best said by Richard Bach in the book Illusions, Richard Bach Illusions, by the way, my recommended reading list is at tut.com under resources, adventurous reading. Look for my bio and you'll find it. About 15 books that rocked my world. Anyway, Richard Bach writes in Illusions, subtitled, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Let me quote, Not my will, speaking from the divine's perspective, not my will, but thine be done. For what is thy will is mine for thee. Okay, so from the higher realms down to the participants in this novel, God is saying, not my will. You got it all wrong, but thine be done. For what is thy will is mine for thee. Now that's really holy roly uh, lingo. And I'm going to veer away from that in just a moment. But the message is unmistakable. It is a book 
of the most profound nature, giving every line in it more credibility in my worldview. And it ties in with follow your heart and life's a gift and do what you love and serve best by taking care of business at home. And it totally contradicts old biblical verse. What is one to do? Well, in the lightest sense of things, as was said by Richard Bach, we are God particles. And this is how I've handled it and embraced it for the last 40 years since I first read those words. My will is God's will because I am that part of God that chose to be here. But still, still, there's some jewels in the Bible and that is not 100% simpatico to me, knowing that in the Lord's Prayer, it says, follow God's will. It's about God's will. Now I have the answer. I have been reading many books in the last nine months about self-realization really profound books. I'm going to be updating my recommended reading very shortly to include some of these books, specifically by Ramtha, Ken Carey, um, the Hermetica, uh, and what is super clear and in alignment with all I've ever taught and believed. Going back to the first spiritual tune-up, our fall from grace. It was not a fall from grace. We, were, we fell from inside of God to land inside of God. But we chose these illusions of time, space, and matter, and we lost ourselves. We eat of the forbidden fruit every single day. And that has caused a rift between our spiritual selves and our biological selves. We talked about this just a little bit last week. There is a rift. And now we are totally identified with our biological selves, almost everybody on planet Earth, we think we end where our skin is and we don't realize that we don't end, period. The entire sun, moon, and stars are part of your unique identity. We're all co-creators of that. We're everywhere always at once. But given that we are immersed in this soup and we have forgotten our true nature, our true divinity, there has been an eternal split inside of every single individual, including you right now. There's the biological you that you love and honor, that's beautiful, that's powerful, that's God Almighty. But there's a spiritual part of your personality that's alive and well, tuned in to divine mind and source energy, who if we could merge right now, and that would be true self-realization, suddenly it is the divine that would move through us at all times, that would guide us at all times, that would choose our words at all times. Our ego would remain, but as second fiddle, as the, the co-pilot, no longer the pilot. Who would be the pilot? Not God on a cloud wanting us to do his will. That was always wrong. But that other part of our spirit selves that's innately tuned in to everywhere always at once, our full supernatural power, the other part of our unused brain, so that we could literally transcend the illusions, literally walk on water, literally turn water to wine, literally do those things that a certain Messiah said we would all do and more one day. It is our own godhood, our own spirituality that we've been detached to that was hinted at in earlier uh, uh, literature, biblical literature, what's the word, scripture. And it is that will of God 
Connect to your full self and you will be guided effortlessly throughout every day. Everything you need in every moment of the rest of your existence will be brought forth spontaneously, effortlessly. This is performing miracles. This is your true identity. This is letting God in and honoring God, the God of you, your higher self that you have been separated from since the dawn of time. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up and a really great, great question posted yesterday on Instagram. Thank you all, by the way, for all the engagement, the stars, the waving, the hearts. Fills my heart. Really does. So today's question. Some spiritual writers advise to ask for a sign that you're on the right path, like an owl, if you should buy a particular house. But if you're expecting to see owls, you'll manifest them. And if you're not manifesting them, you may perpetuate not manifesting them based on uh, what your present focus is on or not on. How do you know, Mike, a sign is really a sign and not something you created? A very slippery slope. I am not a proponent of asking for, looking for, or using signs in any way, shape, or form. Could they work? Absolutely. We live in a universe of order. And if your faith is really strong, but that's not enough. If your faith is really titanium and you're ultra clear, then use signs and they will never fail you. Okay, but very tricky. A better approach for choosing which way to go when there's a fork in the road of life is intuition. It's a muscle to begin developing right now. I mean, no matter what it is you're doing, no matter where it is you're going, constantly tune in. Does this feel right? Does that feel better? What makes the most sense? I strongly advocate intuition stirred by logic. Don't rely on logic alone. It should always be a backseat driver to intuition. But you can stir up possibilities and get your mind you know, reeling by using a little bit of logic and then feeling all the infinite possibilities. Stir it up some more. Get creative. What if? What if? Maybe now, maybe later. Stir it up and work that intuition muscle. Intuition is easy to use. It's easy to get better at. It's always there. And best of all, there will be no sense, no feeling that you're giving your power away. Because too often living in a world as we do, where we feel like it's us and the world, when you ask for a sign, it generally feels like you're asking for the universe or God or the angels to send you a feather. There goes your power with the wind taking the feather away with it. Don't give away your power. And because I have these feelings on, in, on signs, I wrote a note from the universe many, many years ago that will lead me into my final point on clarity and its critical importance. This brief note from the universe went like this. If you have to ask for signs, let this need 
of yours be a sign that you should make haste very, very slowly. For all the reasons I just gave. Now, here is the kicker. I, I told you signs will work when you have faith that it's titanium. That's the easy part. And you have clarity that's crystal clear. For example, what if your question was poorly phrased? Is this my house? Should I make an offer on this house? Great yes or no question, right? What if the answer is hell to the yes, baby, that's your house, but not for 12 more months? Meaning, if you make an offer on that house right now, it's going to go south, it's going to go bad, and somebody else is going to scoop it up and circumstances will be scrambled around and you can't even get it a year from now because you made such a mess and a disaster and it was embarrassing, it didn't work. What if the answer is yes, but not now? You're going to work on the yes, but because it's not now, it's not going to work out. You're going to feel like you mis misread your sign. It's just, don't go there. Intuition. Intuition leaves room for more than a yes or no. Intuition mixed with logic will give you some other ways, multiple fronts from which to work the question so that you can ultimately find peace. And in the end, as my mom used to always say, when you don't know what to do, don't do anything until you do know. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here, and boy, um, have you asked me to speak on a hot topic, and it's one I volunteered to speak on. I've brushed up against it with several other tune-ups so far, speaking to the political divisiveness the world over, certainly visible here to the extreme in the United States, leading uh, many to wonder what the heck is going on. Donald Trump. Now, I am not here to, um, to make things worse. Uh, I am going to walk a very delicate tightrope. Uh, clearly, to some, this man is a hero, a patriot. And to them, they are right. And to others, he is awful, the worst kind of sinner. And to them, they are right. Not even just to them. Both hold true for Donald Trump. He's a sinner. He's a saint. Um, I remember when George Bush Jr. was uh, president. While I was not wild about him, uh, it was evident to me that the guy was doing his level best. And this is maybe when the divisiveness in the United States really started kind of brewing. I was a Republican at the time, um, but not wild about him. But it was undisputable in my mind that he was giving a thousand percent to be the best president he could possibly be for this amazing nation. And that got me thinking, uh, I don't think there's an exception to that rule. Some we may like more than others. Some we may detest more than others. 
But every single one of us is a being of light, of the divine, here trying to do our level best for the world and for ourselves. And sometimes we might put ourselves a little bit too far out in front of that pecking order. Who's not guilty of that? Still, it's with an ambition and an aim to make a difference, to love and to be loved. And I think Donald Trump fits that bill perfectly. The guy is doing his level best. My mom might say, and she did of many other people, yeah, but it was a poor best indeed. Hey, we're all doing our best. You cannot dispute this if you follow along in these tune-ups. The guy is pure God, pure divine intelligence. Not necessarily operating at the highest divine vibration. Neither am I. Neither are you. Um, we're all here learning to go there. We're not here to be perfect. You must admit that Donald Trump and all human beings, everything, everywhere, always is pure divine energy. Um, has he actually done good in this country and in the world? Indisputably, yes. Has he done bad? Indisputably, yes. Is he fit for office? What the heck does it matter if I say yay or nay? I'm going to vote, and so are you going to vote. And we can leave the drama aside, and I'll respect you no matter what you vote for, because where you're coming from, it makes sense. There could be no other way to see it than you now see it. But here is the coup de grace. Here is what I've led you down the path to share with you. Donald Trump is the cause of nothing. He is the reflection of not only a world in transition, but especially a nation in transition. And whenever there's a transition, as we all irrevocably move higher to the light, there's going to be cheerleaders and there's going to be doomsdayers. And we see both on the Republican side and the Democratic side, believe it or not. The most important message I could share with you right now is that if Donald Trump wasn't in office, there would be a clone of Donald Trump who might not look anything like him who would be in office because this is where our nation is right now. And as has been said by many far more eloquently than I can recall, um, a nation gets the leadership it deserves. And that can send a chill down your spine right now, or it could put goosebumps on your flesh right now. But it's indisputable that this man is a very real reflection of the unease in the country, the confusion in the country, the resistance to change in the country. Um, and if it weren't for him, it would be somebody else. He is not the cause. He is the symptom. And if there's something that you don't like, one person at a time, we shine our light as brightly as possible. We do the best we can. We go out and protest. We go out and vote. We keep our silence. We go where love moves us. And a better day will come again. There is no turning back from this ascension that this world, this planet, and this nation is now on. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be squiggles. There's going to be two steps backwards 
uh, after three steps forward and sometimes five steps backwards, but then there will be 10 steps forward. There is no turning back. The light is shining brighter. Things are getting better. This is part of the healing that we're in, not only coronavirus, but the divisiveness is bringing differences to the surfaces, to the surface like it has never been brought to the surface before. Differences that were always there, but that we were quiet about. Differences that we need to be vocal about and differences at long last that we can pin the tail right on that donkey, see it, fix it, clear it, and move forward. I would say have, be of good cheer. Things are getting better. Don't use your physical senses to judge what's going on. I just read an amazing passage um, in The Return of the Bird Tribes. I'm still talking about this book by Ken Carey um, when he said that basically it was foreseen, and this book is 30 years old, but it's timeless. It's foreseen in the evolution of all consciousness, including global. When there's a higher and rising vibration, suddenly the distinctions of clarity and ambiguity just start peeling apart. And it looks so stark. And it looks like there's so much evil and so much bad, but it's what was there all along when things were peaceful. It's just now visible so that it can be addressed and taken care of. And this book specifically said it will look overwhelming as if the, the darkness will consume the light, but do not believe it. Do not go there. Hold your light. Be your best. Honor everybody, including Donald Trump. Uh, with all of his failings and all of my failings and all of your failings, we're a motley crew. But we're raising our vibe and we're going higher and everything's going to be so okay. So just love each moment and each day, one at a time. Go out and vote when you can vote um, and prepare to be astounded. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Boy, that was a lot of fun yesterday talking about Donald Trump. Thanks for all the engagement and the comments, the good, the bad, and the other. Um, it's great to be with you here on a happy Thursday. And now I'm getting low on questions. Uh, there's a few dozen uh, back ordered. And I thought, all right, here's a, here's a test, Mike. Go with the first thing that comes to you as to what you want to talk about. The first thing that came to me 15 minutes ago. So I did have a little time to prepare. And the first thing that came to me was to talk about your finest quality. Your finest quality. And, and look, we're brothers and sisters. I know you, whether we physically met or it's through some ancient connection that's still alive in the present um, that belies the illusions of time and space. Okay, tell me if this is not true. Your number one quality is your open heart. Far and away, your number one quality is your open heart. And science is actually finally catching up a little tiny bit to spirituality. Uh, folks like Greg Braden, my friend, a Hay House author, and Dr. Joe and others will testify to the fact that the heart is a thinking center. 
and it is far superior to this thinking center. Now, this thinking center is awesome, but we have let it over the millennia drown out our own feelings to let logic rule the day, honoring the arrogance of intellect. And it's been one of our greatest follies, one of our biggest mistakes. I want to challenge you to help me with this tune-up. I'm going to tell you that in my mind, what I think an open heart says. And as you see the direction I'm going, I would like you to post below in Instagram or Facebook what you think an open heart says. To me, it says, maybe. It says, I love you. An open heart says, please forgive me. An open heart says, I made a mistake. An open heart says, cowabunga, dude, let's go for it. An open heart says, let's try it again. An open heart says, I don't know. And that's okay. I really don't know. I'm not sure. An open heart says, you might be right. An open heart says, help me. An open heart says, please. An open heart says, I forgive you. An open heart says, please forgive me. An open heart says, let me think about it. An open heart says, let's play make-believe. An open heart says, life is good. An open heart says, life is good. An open heart says, I love my life. An open heart says, I love you. An open heart says, let's do it again. All right, so consider as you add to this list that it is the center of your being by all accounts. Not here, but here. It is the seat of the divine. It is your pipeline to omniscience. It is your pipeline to God Almighty. It is your pipeline to creativity it is, your, it is the fast lane to joy, peace, and harmony. It is where you go for consolation and to be your best friend. Everything, everything that matters is here first. And yet, we've been honoring here to the exclusion of here, thinking this is a muscle that beats and puts blood through our body. This is who you really are. This is the closest you can get to your spirit in a physical sense. So I have two challenges for you today beyond continuing to write below. And if something hits you later on today, come back and, and tell me, tell all of us what an open heart says. Uh, the first challenge is 
throughout today and for as much as you can forever and ever, go to your heart first. If you stub your toe, if you want to cry, if you want to celebrate, if you want to connect, go to your heart. If you want to know what to say, go to your heart. Uh, if you want to know what to do, go to your heart. Practice going to your heart at every juncture of the day. It's the key to self-enlightenment. And challenge number two, try to open your heart a little more. I mean, it's your greatest quality already. Can you imagine how amazing you're going to be when you open it a little more? Go there, open it up, revel in it, bask in it, feel the glory, sense the connection, and I'll see you tomorrow. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley here for a spiritual tune-up on a Friday. By the way, when I go like this, thoughts become things. That's our secret symbol, okay? Thoughts become things. Today's question came from Instagram. Thank you so much for all the great questions that are now pouring forth. Continue, continue. Questions about anything under the sun, the sun itself. Today's question is one that I wrangled and wrestled with for decades. Much of my adult life until I met Lorna Byrne, the angel whisperer from Ireland, now a dear friend who I've toured all over the world speaking with. Uh, she sees angels with her eyes. Anyway, before I go further, just check the index in Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, and you'll see I have already done a tune-up on angels. But this question bears making front and center. If we have divine guidance, and if we have free will, so that we can finally learn for ourselves of our power, grace, and beauty, don't these two negate each other? Don't they cancel out? Either I need to learn on my own, or I have Tinkerbell on my shoulder who can help me live a wonderful life. But if it's Tinkerbell waving her wand, then is it my power or Tinkerbell's power? And I have always drawn the conclusion, past tense, had always drawn the conclusion, that really, while I always believed in angels, that they love us from afar and that they love us from near, um, they are powerless to affect the course of our lives because our thoughts become things and there's no way they're going to be allowed to interfere with that because then we would never know if our great success or our stumbles and trips and falls were our own thinking or maybe Tinkerbell had her wires crossed. Not true, not true. Thank you, Lorna Byrne and thank you for my own angel guides for, for getting through to me and helping me realize that... Uh, there are more ways to help folks than direct intervention in their lives, mostly bringing them to a place where they can think and see and feel stuff that they couldn't have thought, thunk, or felt before the intervention. So baseline here, even though that might seem like, well, that's contradictory. No, no. Baseline. We are here as God particles to, to live and to rock and to roll and to adventure in these seemingly real jungles of time and space. It's all happening in the heart of God. Our thoughts unfailingly become the things and events of our lives. 
We are pushed on to greatness every day because we are inclined to succeed given the truth of our divinity and our divine heritage. But nothing, 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 nothing changes the fact that our thoughts become things. You cannot get around that. No Tinkerbell, not even God, of which we are part. Not even God can change the, the script of tomorrow. Otherwise, we would never learn of our power. But given the safeguards, given our inclination to succeed, given the benevolence in every heart and soul, whether you can see it or not, uh, things are not a 50-50 proposition by any stretch. We are destined for greatness. You are going to make your dreams come true. You are, you are never alone in this march. But you have to think your thoughts and you alone make your decisions. So how, pray tell, can the angels and other divine beings enter into our affairs to help make things better? There's a lot of wiggle room when you live in a holographic, fake, illusionary world, fake jungles of time and space. What you directly experience is what you project. But we all have a myriad of beliefs that are tangled and untangled, creating all kinds of possibilities for there to be um, an observation, a sensation, a conversation overheard, standing in line at the, the health food store, where all of a sudden you are predisposed and even likely to think thoughts you had never thought before or that you would not have otherwise thought before. The angels cannot think those thoughts for you. They cannot make your decisions for you. But there's tons of free will. I mean, there's tons of wiggle room when you consider your 100,000 beliefs about the nature of reality, that you're not alone, that God is smiling on you, uh, that maybe you're a lucky person, that you're good at math, that you're this, that you're that, that, and through these beliefs, so none of them are negated, everything within your permission zone, angels can arrive as a whisper, angels can arrive as a new best friend, angels can arrive as the person you're sitting next to on the bus or the plane, angels um, can just emanate uh, vibrations around you that will loosen up your thinking apparatus and make it possible for you to have perhaps more hope or more inspiration, uh, to feel a little bit stronger, to feel a little bit more emboldened. And thereby, you would think some more thoughts along different lines that could then become things that could not have become things prior to the intervention. The best way to use angels is to ask for their help. First off, you gotta believe that they're there. It, it, it's not a big leap. Virtually every religion I'm aware of believes in angels. Um, people who don't even believe in God believe in fairies. Uh, just know you're not alone. Begin an open-ended conversation, a dialogue with God or with your angels or Tag team. One day it's God, another day it's your angels. I just happened to read something the other day that speaks to this in an incredible way. And I thought, oh, let me go get that and share that with you. This is the third millennium 
by Ken Carey. One of the best books I have ever read in my entire life. I, I could not speak more highly of this book. It's about enlightenment. It's about the times we're in. It's about post prehistoric. Um, but listen to this about how these divine beings help us. Our race of angelic messengers was ordained at the inception of the human project to awaken you when the time was right. The time is right. Some of us awaken you from the outside, shaking you and reminding you of who you are. They don't think your thoughts for you. They can only shake you if your beliefs allow some form of intervention. Some of us slide down into physicality, merging our biogravitational fields with yours, awakening within you, looking through your eyes, helping you to reprioritize your lives along the creative currents of love. Still, others of our more distant kin, there's a whole cadre of angels out there. Others in our more distant kin entirely from the out, assist you entirely from the outside of time and space by pouring into the fields of thought and emotion around the earth, powerful energies of love, joy, and well-being. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Ken Carey, rest in peace. He's the author of five different books, all of which will blow your mind. And so there you have it. Thank you for this great question on a fry yay. Angels are real. Your guides are real. Every whisper of yours is heard. You are never, ever, ever alone. You are pegged for success. As I learned from Lorna and as I shared in my other angel tune-up, you never would have come to planet Earth. Never without a team of angels. You never would have come here if you couldn't rise above every single challenge that you could possibly face. You never would have come here if your dreams couldn't all come true. You never would have come here if there wasn't love available at all time. You never would have come here if you weren't this being of light destined to make a difference in the trajectory of the evolution of human consciousness. This is who you are. And you also never would have come here if it wasn't your thoughts alone that would become the things and events of your life, and if it wasn't your decisions alone, you were like, don't give me that kindergarten stuff. Don't give me that uh, maybe patsy-patsy halfway stuff. I, you didn't want to come here with angels that would live your life for you, and you would never know of your power, grace, and beauty. You're like, no, 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 no. I want the full Monty. I want the real deal. I want it all, and I'm going to read Hay House books. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend, uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration, every single day I send out a note from the universe. Right now it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.